At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's a Thursday edition of PFTPM and Chris Sims Unbuttoned. It is the Super Wild Card Weekend edition of the Joint Megapix podcast. Six games to delve into, and we will do that over the course of the next hour. Christopher, I know you're ready. You've got your notebooks out. You've spent plenty of time reapplying your makeup after our morning show. You Had are to. good to go. Thank you're you. looking good. You repositioned your chair, so the shot is just exactly what it needs to be. I'm very impressed by your attention to detail. Thank you. Now, before we get to our usual business, because we don't have to do 16 games this week, we have a little more time to operate. There is one item of news that I want to talk about. It's not really news yet. It's what could be news. It's an effort by us to stay ahead of the curve and keep you informed on what's happening behind the curtain in the NFL. But I have heard persistent chatter this week about the possibility that Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson will eventually ask to be traded by the team. One of the huge factors influencing whether or not that happens, who they hire to be the head coach. They've already said they're going to involve him in the process. Well, if they ask him, who do you want, and they don't hire that guy, there's a potential reaction. So there is talk out there that, The possibility is at least being broached in conversation with teammates. It's not like he's asked for it. It's not like he ever will. But this one is fascinating to me because, number one, you can't treat a franchise quarterback like you treat any other player and say, sorry, we have a contract. You're bound to be here. And number two, at first blush, he just signed a new contract, Chris. There's no way they can trade him without taking some sort of ridiculous $50 million cap hit. No, no. Based upon the signing bonus that was paid to him, which gets spread over a period of years, the cap charge for trading him would be $21 million and change. Easy for the Houston Texans to justify it, especially when you consider the haul that they would get in return for Deshaun Watson. Well, yeah, that that's the big thing. Now, I mean, listen, this is this would be some story or this, you know, bears to be true. Uh, this would be some big deal because Deshaun Watson, you know, as we've talked about over the last week and everything like that is he's phenomenal. He is without a doubt one of the five best quarterbacks in the game right now. So, you know, with that, the way he plays, but like uh, Mike, I, I, I can't lie. When I first heard of Nick Casario, you know I love Nick Casario and what he does. I've worked with him. I've seen him in action. I'm a believer in him. But I also did think of, man, Deshaun Watson just had a, 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 you know, a few years with a guy from New England, and it didn't end that well. Is he going to be in love with, you know, another New England try here? And, you know, all, so so that is an interesting angle just to see where it goes all together. And again, listen, I, I yeah, there's issues within that Texans organization altogether that I think are, you know, uh, not on the national radar all, 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 you know, altogether that way. So that would be some big deal for Deshaun Watson, but something to keep an eye on. And who would want him? Well, I'd say 
Just about everybody. All but a handful of yeah. teams would at least have to engage in the analysis. The Chiefs won't. The Seahawks won't. Uh, the Bills won't. The Packers won't. Although, no, they won't. They won't. But my point is, yeah. you owe it to yourself with a young ascending talent who has untapped potential at the quarterback position. If that opportunity presents itself, you owe it to yourself to evaluate. Where are we? Where could we be? What would it take? And the other big factor, Chris, is where does he want to go? Because if he's going to push his way out, I mean, look at it this way. If Antonio Brown was able to avoid the Bills and engineer a trade to the Raiders, well, Deshaun Watson is only going to go where Deshaun Watson wants to go. Definitely. Period. Right. And I think that's going to be a huge factor in it as well, if it comes to it. And again, we're not saying it will, but we're trying to keep you alerted to what could happen. We're very big on trying to stay ahead of the ball. The hiring of the coach by the Houston Texans could be the first domino that falls in a line that lands with Deshaun Watson playing for someone else. Yeah, I, I know. You're right. And we'll, we'll see where that goes. I, now, now, listen, if, if they hired Brian Dayball, uh, I would be like, oh, don't leave. Man, don't leave. This is this offense, Brian Dayball's offense, I know he's from New England and so is Billy O'Brien. It's not the same offense. You know, Billy O'Brien's offense is New England light. That's what it is. Brian Dayball's offense is, you know, I got everything New England, and I've added my own spin and some college stuff because I was at Alabama, and I got a lot of different ways to attack you. They got every play in the history of mankind in that playbook. So I, for, from that purpose, I hope Deshaun Watson doesn't just take it as, wait, another New England guy coming here. I don't like this. I want to get out. No, this is he's different. Brian Dable's not your typical New England guy, as in his persona, his personality, or the way he coaches necessarily. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. And, and I mean, you're right. Everybody's going to be calling and, and wanting to know about Deshaun Watson. Everybody except the teams you've talked about for the most part. And, and you said it right, too. You know, first off, if a franchise quarterback, yeah, he just signed a new contract. He says he doesn't want to be there. They're, they're going to try to trade him. You don't want your franchise quarterback to be the leader of your team and not like the place he's at. And to your second point, yes, he's going to be able to force where he wants to go if that does come about because the same reason. Nobody's going to want to trade for a guy that doesn't want to be there, and especially if it's your quarterback. So uh, this would be an amazing development, and uh, we'll, we'll see. And the other thing to keep in mind, unless they do some restructurings and renegotiations that drive up future cap numbers and make it more expensive from a cap standpoint to move on from him, it gets cheaper each year. So maybe they convince him. Maybe Jack Easterby throws an arm around him and sweet talks him and convinces him to give it a year right. with Brian Dayball or Josh McDaniels or whoever the coach is if they're not hiring the guy that Deshaun Watson has recommended. And maybe a year from now, we see where it is. But, but this is something to monitor. Sorry, Texans fans. I know it's been a rough time for you the past couple of years. And this is what happens when you have a great player on a dysfunctional team who looks around and says, boy, if I was in Kansas City, we'd be doing what Kansas City is doing. If I was in Buffalo, we'd be doing what Buffalo is doing. How can I get to a place where I can do what guys like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are doing? All right, uh, we'll continue to watch that, and who knows what will happen as the weeks unfold. Who knows what will happen as the weekend unfolds, super wildcard style, six games. We enter... Wild card weekend coming off of our oh, sorry super wild card weekend coming off of our best performance of the normal regular season week seventeen 
Chris was 15 and 1 against the spread. I was a mere 14 and 2 thanks to the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants and a guy who was able to recover a fumble with his butt. Yeah, but Wayne for Gallman. that, Woo! but for that I would have been 15 and 1 and Chris would have been 14 and 2. We both were 9-6 and 1 against the spread. I was 3 and 0 in the all important to me, especially when I'm leading in a category of best bets. 3 and 0 and Pete, I think we may need to do a little accounting for my season-long record. I don't think you've added the 3-0. I think I'm 26-21-4. Check that out, Pete. Pete, Pete. Pete has screwed up the graphic yet again. Well, We have come to assume yep. that the graphic will be erroneous. Both of our best bets were not updated in the bottom of that graphic. 26-21-4 for the full regular season. I will take that and go straight to Vegas, Chris. Okay, so that's what it was. I thought my record looked a little wrong there. I, I really did. I was wondering what the hell happened. I mean, wow. Listen, Pete can't count. We know that. Also, <laughs> you know... I, who knows what he's doing when he's adding this up? He's got three kids. It's romper room over there. He might be wiping one's ass and changing a, and feeding a bottle with the oh other God. one. All right. Oh so we don't know what the hell he's doing. All right. We don't know. So I got to give him some slack. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully the bottle and the wipe don't accidentally we don't get, get mixed the kid up confused. in that process. No. We don't want the kid. Yeah. Never mind. All right. Let's get to Super Wild Card Weekend. As always, the odds are provided by points bet sportsbook and super wild card weekend begins with a bang there's no building of tension it's right to the best team currently in football the buffalo bills hosting their once upon a time afc east rivals the indianapolis colts colts at bills bills six and a half point favorite over under at 51 chris please don't tell me you are going to shock me with your first pick of the day that the Bills will lose to the Colts. No, I'm not going to shock you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going with the Bills to win the football game. I'm going to, and I'll throw my score out right now. 31-21 Bills is what I'm going to go. But do, do I sit here and just go, oh, there's no way the Bills lose this football game or do any of that? No, absolutely not. There's some aspects about the Colts that scare scare me. You know, it is a good defense with, with the Indianapolis Colts. It's not a great defense. It's a good defense. You know, but. You know, they have some difference makers in a DeForest Buckner and a Darius Leonard, and they're well-coached you know, on that side of the ball. So it scares me that they might be able to find a game plan or whatever to slow down Josh Allen and company. I don't find that likely. I don't. You know, what we've seen really with the Colts is something that scares me against a quarterback like uh, Josh Allen. As games go on and their pass rush gets tired and they're not great coverage guys on the other side of the, on the back end of the Colts, you know, these are the games that tend to Josh Allen eventually takes over and just becomes unstoppable. Oh, wait, you know, you got a good pass rush, but not a great one. Oh, well, I'll make you miss buy some time. Shoo, laser touchdown. You know, oh, I'll make you miss run around the edge. 15 yard run first down. Now, I, that's what I worry about for the Colts. And, and Mike, the one thing with the Colts, too. They're just a little too predictable and vanilla, and that's scary against Allen and Dayball right now. I do think the Colts and Matt Eberflus, if they want to win this football game, he might have to call some defenses that he doesn't like to call and roll the dice. You know, he might might have to do that. He might, yeah, and maybe that leads to you to getting, you know, burned. But I don't think they can win the game if they just sit back and play the same type of defense they've played all year long. On the other side of the ball, Mike, I think you've made 
a phenomenal point all week. I do. Colts offense is really good. We've seen their best when they run the football. And you got to be a little worried about Josh Allen and company and what they're doing. So you think, let's let's help our defense and run the ball a little. And that's an aspect I look and go, they might have something there. It's still a really good offensive line, and it's a Bills defensive line that's not great. It's good. It's not great. Now, that Bills defense isn't going to have to worry about a deep passing game from Phillip Rivers either, but you said it correct this morning on the show. The Colts are best when they run the ball and throw balls that get get out of Phillip Rivers' hands quickly. When he sits there and starts patting it, well, I can tell you that something bad's going to happen. He's going to throw an interception or wait to the last second and get hit as he's throwing, and it's going to be a fumble or an interception, and uh, – I get worried about that. The Bills are the better team. I'm going with them 31-21, but it's playoff football, and hopefully I laid out a few examples of how the Colts can uh, upset them. 34-20 is my pick, Bills to win the game, so we're on the same page both as to who wins and as to who covers. But this concept of the Colts managing the clock and shortening the game, the best way to deal with the difference in talent and a gap when it comes to advantage at home with fans there, and there'll be energy for the Bills – Keep the Bills' offense on the sideline. Keep Josh Allen in a state of agitation where when he gets on the field, maybe he tries to do too much. What did we see last year in the playoffs against the Texans? Yeah. Josh Allen getting agitated and trying to do too much. You want to spin the clock back 12 months if you're the Colts and get Josh Allen trying to do too much in one snap, in one play, in one moment. And One thing that feeds into that, the availability of his receivers. Cole Beasley most likely won't play. He's week to week with a knee injury. Stephon Diggs didn't practice at all on Wednesday with an oblique injury. He was limited on Tuesday. And Isaiah McKenzie, the star of the Week 17 win over the Bills, at three three touchdowns, including an incredibly underrated 84-yard punt return. Go back and watch it if you haven't seen it. He stopped, he started, he zigged, he zagged, he outran, he moved, he shifted. It was awesome. He's been limited in practice with an ankle injury, probably injured his ankle, breaking ankles on that punt return. So if you are undermanned at the receiver position, there could be a greater temptation for Josh Allen to do Josh Allen things, which this year is good. Last year in the playoffs wasn't good. Sure. Remember that, whatever that was, when he tried a lateral or yeah, what, throw it I don't over know his what head. it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's the that's the way. If it's going to happen, that's the way it's going to happen. And there's such an anticipation that these Bills are ready to move on to the next level and ready to confront the Chiefs at some point. The challenge for the coaching staff is to make sure they don't lose sight of the fact that they need to check this box with a hard check mark. And I think that's one of the reasons why we saw the starters for as long as we did on Sunday. I I mentioned that earlier in the week. Sean McDermott doesn't want to take his foot off the gas, doesn't want to take his eye off the prize. They want to come out there and they want to kick the crap out of the Colts, and I think they will. But if there is a path for the Colts, it's run game, it's Phillip Rivers snapping the ball as the one goes to zero on the play clock as often as he can, shortening the game and keeping Josh Allen on the sidelines and hopefully agitated when he gets on the field. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think you're right. You make a lot of good points. I'm, I'm with you. You're right. I mean, the Colts, they need to manage Phillip Rivers a little bit. you got to be careful of him. You have to. I know he's experienced and played a lot of damn football, but we've seen him throw a lot of damn dumb interceptions and big moments and things like that. You know, so that's why, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in agreement with you of at least play through the run. I don't know if it means snap it at one every time, but certainly don't rush out of the huddle 
and try to, you know, expedite anything that way too. And the wide receiver injury thing too, Mike, that that would be a game changer. That would be. Because then maybe you do have a chance to get Josh Allen to start going, wait, I don't have help. Let me try to do this myself and make plays and get frustrated. The Colts then might send some more blitzers and do some more aggressive things that they don't normally don't do because they're going, wait, there's no McKenzie or Diggs to be scared of or of anything like that. I expect Diggs to be out there. Diggs is always early week dealing with an injury, and then it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and he's ready to go. I'm expecting that, but that's scary nonetheless, and certainly got to keep your eye on it. And remember, it's Saturday. It's I know. a six-day turnaround. I know. I know. That's the thing. Anybody who's banged up coming out of Week 17, you draw the card for a Saturday game, and half these teams are playing on Saturday. That that increases the possibility that there's going to be some sort of impairment that lasts into game time because you don't get the full uh, seven days to to turn it around. So that's where we are. We both like the Bills. We both like the Bills to cover, and that should be a great game. Are we both on the over, too? I got 34-20, so I'm at 54, so I'm over. over. You're at 31-21. You're just over. Okay, next up, the middle game on Saturday, a, a sneaky, awesome game. Rams at the Seahawks. We talked about this earlier on PFT Live. A Super Bowl contender is going to get thrown out of the dance in only the second game of the postseason. Someone is going home. Will it be the Seahawks staying home? Will it be the Rams slinking back to L.A.? The Seahawks are favored by three and a half points. Chris, who do you like? I'm, I'm like, not sure yet. I'm really not. I'm very – I've written down the same score with both teams' name next to it because I, <laughs> I was literally going to sit here and talk it out and kind of go Let from there. Let me guess there. the score. Yeah. 24-21. Ooh, close. I went 20-17, to 17, right? right? I went right – but, it, I mean, it, it's that same idea. You know, I and I don't really care if Jared Goff is playing or John Wolford. It does not change my thought on the game one bit. Isn't that crazy? to say that we're talking about the highest-paid player on a team, we're going, doesn't even affect my that, – that tells you something's wrong there. Uh, that, that there's something's wrong. But either way, this is some close matchup. The Rams, Seahawks, they both match up really well against each other. Like we said a few weeks ago, the Rams were built to beat the Seahawks. Sean McVay took over. Seahawks were king. It's all about, hey, how do we beat them? How do we stop Russell Wilson? How do we do all of those things? Sir, their defense is going to give Seattle issues. I mean, the offense in Week 16, going back and watching that game, the Seahawks' offense wasn't anything impressive. They won the game really just because Russell made two or three plays and Jared Goff was horrible. That's all it came down to. And he made two or three just bad mistakes or bad misthrows. I mean, if you want to boil it down to the simplest thing, that is it. But we've seen many a times here over the last few years where the Rams don't let Russell Wilson make that play or do anything that way. The Seahawks have to find a way to get DK Metcalf involved in the offense versus the Los Angeles Rams. It's an issue. Jalen Ramsey can cover him, and he can especially cover him if you just line him up in one spot all game and never move him. Mike, in the game the last time, they had a few plays where they did the, like the fake speed sweeps and did some of that stuff, boot, you know, bootlegs, change directions, and it got the Rams off kilter. It did, but there's not enough of that. 
And here's a, like one more thing too, Mike. You know, the Rams play these zone coverages, but they'll play Jalen Ramsey's playing man on DK and the rest is zone. Why would you not want to move DK around and test the rules of the Rams trying to figure out how are we going to change the zone now that it's gone from two receivers here to three receivers here and do that? There's never a test of that. That is something they need to remedy, certainly. Uh, so that's going to be amazing. And, I, I, you know, as far as the, the Rams offense with John Wolford and everything like that or Jared Goff, hey, it's still going to be the same thing. Run the ball, play actions, boots. You know, Seattle was very good the first time around. Six-man fronts, five-man fronts, stopping the run. But the Rams are a pain in the ass, Mike. I mean, they could, you could be doing a good job on them and – you know, it's a bootleg throw to the flat for three yards. It's a run up the middle for three yards. It's another bootleg throw for four yards. Damn, they got the first down. You go, we're playing good, but they'll nickel and dime your ass to death if you don't watch it. And that's where, I, Mike, I sit here and I get, I said, man, there's got to be, there's going to be one upset this week. I, I think this is the one I'm going to go with. I, I, I'm going to go with the Rams and this defense and John Walford or Jared Goff to get an ugly win on the road, 20-17 to 17 Rams. I can't believe I'm saying that. I really can't. It scares wow. me, but I'm going to go 2017 wow. Rams. I consider doing the same thing, but John Walford slash Jared Goff on one hand, Russell Wilson on the other hand. Russell Wilson, even though he's still got 10, 12, 13 years left, he says he's going to play until he's 45. He's in his early 30s now. You only get so many shots at this. You only get so many opportunities to advance in the postseason and make your legacy that way. And I can't see Russell Wilson allowing that team to exit by losing to the Rams and Jared Goff or John Wolford, especially not John Wolford. You mentioned DK Metcalf, and what fascinates me is why don't they move him around more? Is it? Brian Schottenheimer's not sufficiently creative, or is it DK Metcalf isn't comfortable? Some receivers are only comfortable. You know, sure. split me out left. I'm looking back this way, not this way. It's a, it's not quite as pronounced as left tackle versus right tackle. Oh, no, but you're right. But it's a different it's a different tracking of the ball. It's a different movement when you're running your pass routes, when you're breaking in, breaking out, looking this way back, looking that way back. He may only be comfortable in that spot. You you could be right. Maybe maybe that's what it is. I I won't doubt that. That's a real thing. You know, some of these receivers have that Zoolander thing, and they can't look left. They can only look right. You know, okay, I can't do that. Uh, but but no, I I will say that could be a possibility. But I do think it's probably Schottenheimer's offense more than anything. I do. It's not an offense that's ever been that way, and his offense is good. It really is. But this is one team that matches up well with them and can take away some of the things they want to do on the offensive side of the ball if you're just stagnant and line up in the same formations and things like that. This Rams defense is the fastest in football. you got to make them second-guess themselves just a little every now and then. If you just line up and they're comfortable with what they're doing, they're, they're going to win. They're going to play so fast and aggressive and disguised late that – you're, it's going to be hard to overcome. So that's where I look at it. Mike, there was, game, there was run plays in that game a few weeks ago where, you know, they're giving the ball to Chris Carson and there's a hole on the left. 
but the Rams are so fast at reading it and diagnosing it that the middle linebacker's running through the hole before the running back is because he's just going, wait, there's a hole there. Coach told me to attack, and I'm attacking. So they got to do something to slow that pursuit down from that over-aggressive nature. That'll be something to look at. One other thing, too, if you don't mind, just for the Rams offense versus the Seahawks defense. All right, we know the boots and the play actions. That's what the Rams want to do. Rams, you got Woods and Cooper Cup. Can you, like, throw the ball outside to them one-on-one against lesser corners in Seattle? Like, they're, they're taking away one of the advantages they have as a team is the fact that Seahawks can't cover Robert Woods and Cooper Cup man-to-man with those guys out there. And a lot of the times, whether it's zone or man, it ends up almost like man on the outside with those guys, and the Rams never attack it. Gosh, if they can do that a little, I think it can help them out. I'm Like you've heard me say, I'm really torn with this game. My initial thought was Russell Wilson will make enough plays, but I've seen them stymie him before, and I'm going to go with the team that I just think is a little bit better of a team here and go with the Rams. Man, tough one. I've got the Seahawks 24-21, so we disagree both as to – well, we don't disagree on who covers. No. I'm doing the Chris Sims needle thread here. I think the Rams cover, but the Seahawks win. What the hell? Dressing like me today. Now he's picking games like me. What's going on around here? Wild card weekend. (laughs) All right, we need to take a break. We, we, We were so happy that we have all this time today and only six games, and we're already over. So let's take a break, and we're going to try to get things back on track from a time standpoint when PFTPM and Chris Sims Unbutton continue right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. PFTPM, Chris Sims unbuttoned, and uh, we continue with Super Wild Card Weekend. A couple more games to discuss in this block, and we're going to start with the primetime game Saturday night on NBC. We thought and we kind of hoped it would be Tampa Bay at the Giants because of what the Giants have done to Tom Brady in the past. Instead, it's Tampa Bay 
at Washington and what Chase Young might do to Tom Brady in the immediate future. So I'll take that. I'll take Tampa that Bay too. favored by eight and a half points, according to points bet over under of 45. Chris, I think we both believe the Buccaneers will win. The question is, do we believe that Washington will keep it within that eight and a half point margin? I, I don't. I, I'm sorry, Washington. You know, I, I mean, there's the possibility. I mean, of course, I don't mean to sound like Captain Obvious. We know that. But, you know, the, the, the possibility hinges on things that, you know, teams can't always consistently do and, and mistakes that we don't see Tampa or Tom Brady consistently make. So that's going to be the thing, the big, big thing here. I don't think there's any way Washington can really keep the game within a one-score game, you know, when the horn blows at the end of the fourth quarter or stay close unless their defense, I don't want to say scores a touchdown, but makes it very easy for their offense then to score a touchdown by creating a turnover and creating a short field. And I'm not so sure just one time is going to get it done. It probably will have to be two. That's how I feel about it. You know, this is not a good matchup for Washington. You know, well, Washington, this is a really good offensive line for the Bucks. They're one of the best pass-protecting pass O-lines in football, and, and we talked about it today. They're not afraid to keep extra guys in to make Brady feel comfortable so he can throw lasers down the field to Antonio Brown and Mike Evans. So from that standpoint, I, I think we might see Washington – hang around a little early just because the defensive energy and all that. But once Brady and the Bucks get settled in, okay, this is how they're attacking us. You know, the, the pass rush just wears down just a little bit because that always happens as the game goes on. I just think they'll continue to crack the code and slowly wear down the Washington football team. And I don't have a lot of faith in the Washington football team offense, you know, to think that they can keep pace that way. You know, Buccaneers, you can throw the ball on the Buccaneers, but Washington's not a great throwing team, so that's scary, and I'm going to go Tampa Bay 34-16, to Mike. Between the Alex Smith injury that may result in a rotation between Smith and the other quarterback, Taylor Heineke, the Antonio Gibson turf toe, the Terry McLaurin ankle injury, and just the fact that we've seen the Buccaneers coming out of their bye. The Buccaneers are the NFC's version of the Bills. Coming out of their bye, they have been unstoppable, and they have been Awesome. Now they fell behind 17 points by the Falcons, but that just made the second half even more memorable. The Buccaneers have been great. They found the gas pedal. Tom Brady is comfortable. He's got 16 games under his belt now with that offense, and they are clicking. Yeah, Mike Evans has a knee injury, but you know what? Antonio Brown was awesome replacing Evans, and that was a very, very promising development for the Buccaneers. Defense is good enough. Offense is great. Buccaneers win 31 31- Two fourteen, Chris. What score do you pick for the game? I pick thirty four sixteen. Um, uh, would be my score for the game. You know, and and you know, I, yeah. I think we both see it the same way for the most part. I think the other interesting thing too is just a little of like uh, the way it looks and reads right now, and what we saw last week on Sunday Night Football. There's no way Alex Smith should start and play in this football game. I, that's the one thing. I just I don't understand that. And if we're talking about rotating quarterbacks or anything than that, then we just need to start Taylor Heineke. That's not going to work. So that is something else to watch for here. Either way, I don't Alex Smith. I don't think it's going to matter either way if he win if he plays or not. I don't think it's going to make a big difference. Yeah, he might not make a crucial mistake and let them hang around a little bit longer. But ultimately, I just don't think they're in the same class as the Tampa Bay team 
no matter who's at quarterback. Yeah, I agree with you completely there. And that would be the stunner of the weekend. Even if Washington covers, that would be the stunner. That's Saturday night. And then we go to bed. And then we wake up. And it's 1 o'clock on Sunday, the first of another three games. And this one is awesome. A rematch of a regular season classic. A rematch of a 2019 postseason beatdown. The Titans have won both prior games. But Baltimore rolls in to Nashville as a three-point favorite. Road favorites after winning five in a row to punch their ticket. The Titans needed a stoink off the uprights to get in uh, to win without going to overtime against the Texans. 54-and-a-half is the over-under. Chris, I, this is one I struggled with. Yeah. Give me who wins and by how many. Yeah, it, it, this is this is a tough one here. It really is. I mean, this is I'm, – I'm excited for this too because it's, it's two, you know, it's two teams that – pride themselves on kind of being tough and bullies and all that. Hey, we got the disrespectful for having a meeting on our logo the first time around between Vrabel and Harbaugh. Are you kidding me with these two head coaches? This crap's going to get chippy. I can tell you that for sure. There is no doubt. So I'm excited from that aspect. You know, the first time around this year, both defenses, I thought, kind of won the game, you know, won, won their battles. I know, you know, Derrick Henry had a good day, 133 yards rushing and everything like that. But I still thought that I came away from the game watching it back going, Ravens D outplayed the Titans, made a few stupid mistakes and tried to strip the ball out of A.J. Brown's hand, right, when he, when he broke like six tackles and scored a touchdown. There was a few mistakes there. But overall, I thought the Ravens won the battle with the Titans offense. And the same thing on the other side of the ball. I thought the Titans defense kind of won the battle with the Ravens offense. Ravens did have a 21 to 10 lead in this football game. But the thing that's scary is Tennessee matches up well with the Baltimore Ravens. We talk about it all the time. It's a matchup league. You know, Tennessee does have big people, so they can slow down the run game. Vrabel's creative and knows how to come up with different ways to stop the creative run game of the Baltimore Ravens. And then twofold on top of that is the fact that the worst thing about the Titans football team is their pass defense. And the Ravens can't really expose that. They, they don't have the kind of offense to expose it. So that gives Vrabel even a little bit more of like, you know, guts and gall to go, we're going to stop the run and do that. That worries me. I mean, of course, we got to see the Ravens offense have a few throws in the game to uh, make us feel good. But, man, you, you know, you said it. The Ravens offense, their offensive line, it's on fire right now. They're another team like Brady or Josh Allen. I know it's not through the air, but I go, it's one of the hottest offenses in football. Now, the other side of the ball, Mike, real quick here is the first time around, the Ravens didn't have Calais Campbell or Brandon Williams. Uh, that'll be a different story as far as running the ball against these two now. So that's going to change. You know, so I'll, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. But the Titans offense – their ability to run, and they've been able to run just about on everybody. If they can run a little bit, the Ravens are in trouble because then it just becomes too hard to stop A.J. Brown and Corey Davis and all of that. Uh, but I think the Ravens are going to have to take some chances on first and second down, put Peters, put Marlon Humphrey on an island, maybe run blitz. If they can get the Titans into some third and long situations, that's not what they're meant for. If you can get them in that, that's advantage Baltimore. Baltimore runs all these crazy defenses and coverages and disguises. 
and Tennessee is not the best shotgun drop-back pass football team. So that, to me, is the story of the game. Can the Ravens get the Titans' offense behind the chains on first and second down to make them throw the ball? They did that in the first half of the first game, first matchup, and it, it of course, worked out very nicely. They couldn't get it done in the second half. Every time there was a big moment in that game, the Titans made the play, and the Ravens didn't. The Titans really match up well with the Ravens. But I'm going with the Ravens because they're hotter and they're playing better right now, and I think they're going to be pissed off and have a little bit more of an edge to them. So I'm going Ravens 31-27 in a really fun game. You pulled the okey-doke on Pete. He was starting to type in Tennessee know. as your pick, and I then know. he had to delete it and go with Ravens. I'm going Baltimore as well, 27-21. Look, I, I – I, I think this should be a great game. It's a great way to start the second day of Super Wild Card Weekend. The Ravens are so hot right now, and they've been through the fires, and they had that epic Monday night game. It's almost like when you win that Monday night game, that awesome game that we all enjoyed so much. You don't do justice to that game by getting knocked out of the playoffs in the wild card round again, and right. they have shown. This isn't like last year where they shut down for three weeks and Lamar Jackson hadn't played, and then they get caught flat-footed against the Titans in the divisional round. They've earned it. They've fought to get it, and I think they are going to be very hard to stop. We talked earlier about whether or not they'll have 200 yards rushing. Hell, they had 404 yards rushing. 200's nothing. They have it going with J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Lamar Jackson. And, and yeah, I think that, that they will win 27-21. And I'm hoping yeah. that there will be some sort of an effort by Mike Vrabel to take aggressive advantage of the rule book and force John Harbaugh's head to explode like we saw Bill Belichick do. Remember with the funky formation, sure. and they changed the rules later. I, I can't help but wonder whether there's something Vrabel's been holding back for this one to use at the right time to drive John Harbaugh nuts. Well, these are two unbelievable game managers, and Vrabel is shown to be really one of the experts in – taking advantage of every rule uh, possible or every non-rule and, you know, fudging with the rules, whatever you want to say, uh, to where, yes. Uh, listen, I think this is personal. I do. I think it's going to be a personal matchup. And I think in the in the personalness of the matchup, the Ravens have the advantage because, yes, they've lost twice. And really, they're going to come away – you know, and not that this is true, but they're going to watch that first game back and go, we blew it. You know, there were, we, we messed up a coverage. We, we had a guy tackled and we got like too rambunctious and tried to strip him. So they're, they're going to look at it and go, we blew it. We got to prove to these guys who we really are. And last thing here, Mike, we talked about the defensive line for the Ravens. There was no Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams. Well, they're 100%. The other thing, that first matchup, the, that was the Ravens still figuring out their offensive line and who they wanted to put where to. Ronnie Stanley hadn't, had gotten hurt just a few weeks before that. They were still trying to figure out the combination to where they've got it figured out now, and it's been the most physically dominant offensive line in football over the last four or five weeks. I, I, I think back to that video, and if you haven't seen it, go see it, of the confrontation between Harbaugh, initially players from the Titans, and then Mike Vrabel comes over and repeatedly says, go, go coach, coach your team. Dismissive. Go coach your team. Go coach. And I, I think that John Harbaugh probably has watched that video a few times this week, and he'll be ready to go coach and then some. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the final two games of Super Wild Card Weekend. We'll do that when this joint edition of PFTPM and Chris Sims Unbutton continues right after this. 
final two games of Super Wild Card Weekend on Sunday afternoon and then evening. Let's begin with the middle game of the day. Chicago at New Orleans. The Saints, 10.5-point favorites against the Bears, who just got into the playoffs at 8-8. Eight and eight. They backed in with a loss in Week 17, over under a 47. Chris, I'd be stunned if either of us think the Bears will win. The question for these big point spreads is, do we think the Bears will cover? What do you have? Well, yeah, I, I you know, I look at this game like it, I, I don't feel like there's any middle ground in this game. I feel like the Saints will kind of dominate and blow them out. Or this game is going to be like, whoa, we're in the fourth quarter and the Bears have a chance to win the game. I really feel like it's going to be one or the other. And not to say they're going to win the game like that, but I don't see like anything like, oh, you know, they win by a comfortable six or seven or anything like that. I think it's like they're going to win by 17 or 20, or it's going to be like someone's driving in the last play, the last series of the game to win the game. Both of these teams are so different from – where they were earlier in the year. And I believe that was, uh, what was that, week week eight, eight? Eight. right? Yeah, week eight when they played each other. And, you know, that was still Nick Foles. And the Bears running the RPO spread. We're still trying to beat Kansas City, even though we got nothing like Kansas City on our offense. You know, they tried to run the ball a little, but it wasn't like they are right now. The Saints at that time, if everybody will remember too, were kind of reeling. They were winning games. But a lot of games were very close. Their defense kept letting up all these big plays and big moments. Remember Justin Herbert, Carolina stayed close. They were winning them, but it was a little scary where you're like, man, the defense is letting up so many, so many big plays. And also during that time, it was when Drew Brees was going through that little funk where we were like, man, what's up with Drew Brees? Like on six-yard throws, it's falling short at the four-yard mark. Like can he throw anymore? What's going on? So there was those issues. Saints are totally different now. Saints are definitely one of the best defenses in football. They're very creative. You know, they got into let's just be simple because we were messing up back then. They're not the same now. Now they will do things that are crazy outside the box, and they don't mess it up. And, you know, I just think with that between, hey, I like what the Bears are doing on offense with Trubisky, the run game, the bootlegs, I just don't think there's enough for this Saints defense in the way it's playing right now. As good as they are up front, as creative as Dennis Allen is, Marshawn Lattimore is playing a lot better than, now than he was then. Him with you know Janoris, they're going to be able to slow that passing attack down too. And then on the other side of the ball, Mike, the Bears can do some things schematically to slow down the Saints. But I, I just don't have the faith in the Bears' defense like I did at the middle point of the year. We've seen teams run the ball on them, and I think we're going to have Kamara – and, and um, Michael Thomas back to where the Bears didn't have to worry about Michael Thomas last time. They couldn't stop Alvin Kamara in the past game. Now you're going to have to worry about Michael Thomas. I just think it's a double whammy and too much for them to defend, Mike. I'm going to go Saints win this game 34-17. to So you're taking the Saints and you are picking them to cover the spread. Yeah. You know, a great point that Pete has dropped into our document that we share, the Saints – have had all five playoff games over the last three seasons decided by six points or fewer, and two games went to overtime. That 10.5-point spread is too much for me. 30-20, to 20, 
I've got the Saints not covering by a half point. Doesn't matter whether it's a half point. Look at you, needler. It's the Bears winning straight up. It's not really a needle. It's I a know. ten and a half point spread. I, I, I think the Saints will win by two scores, but not by more than ten and a half points. Thirty to twenty, Saints win. Bears cover. That's my choice. Final answer. Let's move on to the final game of Super Wild Card Weekend. Browns-Steelers. This one lost a little bit of a luster when we find out Kevin Stefanski's not going to be there to coach the game for the Browns. It's going to be Mike Prefer, special teams coordinator instead. Multiple players may not be available. We're still monitoring day in and day out. Are there more positive tests? Are there more close contacts? Are there more Browns players and coaches who won't be available? The Steelers are only six-point favorites, even though they destroyed the Browns at full strength earlier in the regular season. 47.5 point over under. Chris, who do you like in this one and why? Well, I, I do like the Steelers, but I, I I think it can be a close football game. There's no doubt about that. You know, that, that blowout you talk about early in the year, again, I don't think the Browns are that team anymore. They were still stuck in that, wait, we got Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr., and we're going to get in the shotgun, and we don't think you can mess with all our weapons across the board. And that didn't really fit their team. It was really after that game where they finally started to go, wait, well, what are we doing? Just get underneath the center, get two tight ends in the game, and let's smash people's faces and then smash them again, and then we'll run a bootleg and a play action, and we'll smash them that way too. And so that's where they're different. To me, the big thing is, and I said this last week when they played, you know, don't be afraid to be in an ugly football game, Cleveland. You know, that's the, it's the way it's going to be. But don't get into, oh, it's a little ugly, and now let's get in the shotgun and try to throw the ball and make it sexier or better. That plays right into Pittsburgh's hands. Pittsburgh, Blitzburgh, all the coverages, disguises, crazy blitzes, and that front four, when they know you're going to throw every play, you're going to lose. Because it's just going to play into them, creating a turnover, chaos, and something bad's going to happen. That's what happened in that blowout. Baker Mayfield pick six. Baker Mayfield late in the second quarter. Shotgun scrambling around. Interception. You know, Baker Mayfield dropping back, trying to buy time, strip sack fumble. That, that is the disaster. They need to continue to play run game boots, play action, and I know it might not look good all the time, but I think it's the way to go, and it can help their defense out a little bit too. Because their defense is not great, but we know it's going to be Pittsburgh throwing, and can that pass rush in Cleveland get close to Big Ben and maybe a Denzel Ward or a Kevin Johnson make a play, interception, something like that. If that can happen, maybe they can win the game, but I, I, those are too big of ifs. I'm going Steelers 24-20. When the Browns beat the Titans earlier this year, when I had been in the mindset of I'm not going to pick the Browns to win a big game until they prove that they can. Yeah. The thing that I wished in hindsight I had considered is that the Titans don't have the kind of pass rush that will harass and harangue and pressure and ultimately hit Baker Mayfield. The Steelers do. Yeah. See, I'm not going to outsmart myself on this one. It's easy to say the Browns have been good lately. The Steelers have been bad. They've had one good half of football since Thanksgiving. Yada, yada, yada. It don't matter. They punched their ticket to the playoffs. They're here. The Browns are coming to town. They haven't won in Pittsburgh since 2003, and it was 38-7 to when I picked the Browns. Now, I'm going to be extra pissed if the Steelers don't win this one because I'm looking at what happened, and I know that it was different then. But Baker Mayfield struggles when you get guys in his face, and Kevin Stefanski isn't there. 
to calm it all down and say what needs to be said to Baker Mayfield in that moment on the sidelines before a big play, whatever the case may be. Kevin Stefanski's absence cannot be underestimated. My choice for this game is the Steelers to win and the Steelers to win convincingly 31-17. to They extend their dominance at home over the Cleveland Browns. They cover the spread. And the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more strongly I feel about it because T.J. Watt is going to be in Baker Mayfield's face all day long and Baker's not going to be able to do the rollouts and the bootlegs and the things that he's been using to improve his passing performance. Uh, It could be very, very real possibility. You're no doubt. That's why I get scared of that shotgun and and all of that because of what you said. I think Pittsburgh's pass defense is one of the best in football. They're going to create plays and sacks and turnovers if you do that. You know, Cleveland, if you want a chance to win the game, you, you just got to accept it's going to be ugly. Pittsburgh's going to sell out to stop the run. They're old school. It's Mike Tomlin. They're going to send everybody there. If you stick with it, even though it might not be working great, some of those boots and play actions could end up being big plays. There was a big play to be had last week, and Baker slipped in the backfield. He had David Njoku coming across the field off a of play action wide open. But, you know, more than not, I believe uh, kind of the things you said. And I think Pittsburgh, week off, is going to be foaming at the mouth and ready to go. TJ wasn't there last week. TJ's going to be there. TJ going to be there this week. Yeah, and same with Cam Hayward. And a reminder that after the Steelers-Browns game ends, which will be televised both on NBC and on Peacock, there will be a special edition of Brother from Another with Michael Hawley and Michael Smith on Peacock after the broadcast of the Browns-Steelers game. Let's take a break. When we return, we're going with three best bets this week. Whoa, we are? Six games plus our, yes, we are, our Folsom Prison Blues pick as well. We'll do that when PFTPM and Chris Sims unbutton. Continue right after this. All right, it is time for our best bets and our Folsom Prison Blues pick, the one game that we would select if we were laying dead in a ditch and we had only one choice to make. Let's begin with the best bets. Chris, uh, we'll just go back and forth. What's your first one? Well, I'm going with the Bucks. you know, Tampa Bay. Come on, Tampa Brady. Yeah, I played for the Bucks. Let's go Bucks. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I just look at that. Even if I look at it and go, oh, I think Washington will stay close and do this, I think eventually the dam breaks and they lose by, you know, double digits either way. So, yes, I'm going Bucks 34-16. I am going Buccaneers as well. So, you know, we can start lining up the pieces on the slot machine. I feel very good about the Buccaneers winning the game and covering. They are just too good right now. And I would feel good about them against anyone they were playing in this wild card round, home or away, especially Washington with a losing record. Give me the Bucks as my first pick. What's your second one? My next one, I'm staying in the division. I'm going to the other NFC South team. I'm going with the Saints. Yeah, I, you know, I understand the Bears are dangerous, but I think the, sla- the Saints are going to be ready to go. I do. I think this is the year they squash some of the bad luck they've had, and I think they're going to be dominant in this game. I'm betting on that. The way their defense is playing, Bears offense, I know better, but just not good enough to mess with this defense, I think. And I think there'll be a different attack in the dome. It won't be outside in Soldier Field. Breeze will be better. I like Saints 34-17. I like the Pittsburgh Steelers to cover their six-point spread against the Browns. Anytime I look at the spread and I say, what the hell is wrong with that? That tells me that I should be happy to give those points or take those points as the case may be. I will give those six. I would give more than six. 
with the Steelers playing the Browns because the Browns in disarray, they don't have their coach. I think we'll realize how important a head coach is when a team doesn't have one in a playoff game. It's first playoff game in 18 years. Give me the Steelers. What's your third one? Well, I, I'm stuck here with this one. I'm going to ride with the Bills, though, in the points. I am. You know, I, I, I know I have the Rams beating the Seahawks, um, but I think if I'm going to pick either one and what I feel more comfortable about, I feel more comfortable that Bills, Josh Allen, and company can win a game by more than six and a half points. They're probably the hottest offense in football, so I'm just going to go with them there. I agree with you. That's my other one. So we, we agree on both ends of the slot machine, just not in the middle. I've got the Bills as well covering the spread. I wish we disagreed on more, but I'll settle for the middle column of disagreement. Bills to cover. Who's your Folsom Prison Blues? One pick to make lying dead in a ditch. Well, I, I'm going with the Bucks. I, I mean, you know, I don't know. I just feel like Washington, you might as well have me a quarterback out there. You're not going to win the game. Sorry. I, well, you know what? This is the reunion of the only Chris Sims playoff game. We haven't mentioned that. You're right. Washington and Tampa Bay. Yes. 2005, the 15-year anniversary. Go play quarterback for Washington. I'd love to see it. I'd pay to get in, even though they don't have fans. I'd sneak in. I got the Bucks as well. I wish we disagreed on that, but the Bucks are going to win that Stop game. Stop copying we me. We are done, Find a new and we'll shirt. see you next time. <laughs> see ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.